Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Evolution is more than a theory. It is a fundamental scientific principle. You know, there's a scientific term for that. It's called baloney. We are so stupid that we think that just because telephones and computers and cars are intelligently designed, that means we are too. Well, we're not. I don't trust that Richard Dawkins. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Is the only logical explanation, unless you don't want to believe in science and logic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Got a question for you. What did your pastor wear on Easter Sunday? Christ the Lord is risen today. Ah, I'm not feeling that. I think I could use something cool and groovy. This is Wretched Radio. What did your pastor wear on Easter Sunday and who cares? Well, I think that it raises some questions about what church is and what our Lord's Day celebration is. Hoping you had a great Easter. Hope that the focus was squarely on Jesus Christ rising from the grave. Hopefully, you you sang some songs that were theologically sound and not supporting aberrant church movements. Not suggesting anybody by name here. But their songs get sung on a hill that's elevated. Near Bethel, California. (laughs) I'll bet they took something to the bank on Sunday with all the churches singing their songs. Hopefully your Easter was great, but it does raise the question, what are we doing every other Sunday? The early church called it the Lord's Day. Why? Because this is the day of the first fruits when Jesus Christ rose from the grave. So we gather not on Saturday, we gather on Sunday, the Lord's Day, to celebrate his resurrection and the power that is actually offered to us in it. So my question is, why did your pastor potentially put on a suit and tie for Easter but no other Sunday? And the answer would be, I'm certain from the pastor, well, today's a special day. B-I-N-G-O. What are the other Sundays? They're special days too. Now, I grant you, I see this point. There can be some Sundays that are more intentionally focused on on a particular activity. Remember, Easter and Christmas, we aren't told turn them into special holidays, but there's nothing wrong with that. When we see the pattern of festivals in the Old Testament, God is perfectly fine with commemorating a big deal as long as the focus is on him. And so we gather to do that on special holidays, but we are doing what we do on Easter every single Sunday, or at least we should be. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why do we treat Easter like, well, i I better get gussied up for this service, but not for that service. Telling you for whatever this is worth. And I know this is a little bit of a personal picadillo, but when you and I get ready for church like it's a big deal every Sunday, the way we present ourselves tells the world that. It tells the body that this is a big deal. It also tells all of the folks a Cracker Barrel when you go there after church. We just did something special. Why do we reserve our finery for Easter Sunday, but not every single Sunday? 
just asking. Which raises some questions. Freel, it actually doesn't, but I'm going to raise them anyway. A buddy of mine, we were recently talking about the doctrine of ecclesiology. What is the church? What are we doing? What's the purpose? What's the point? What are the activities? And so in an effort to think this through, he wrote down a bunch of questions. And if you've never pondered these questions, whether you are in a role of leadership or not, this will hopefully take us all a little bit deeper into the ponderance of the assembling of the saints, what we're doing on Sunday morning, what we're doing the rest of the week, what it means to be a member of a local church, the implications of our ecclesiology The tentacles are everywhere, and we do well to consider what it is that we get to do on Sunday. In a sense, it's dialogical. No, God doesn't speak to us audibly, but he does speak to us through the mouth of a fallen man. He speaks to us when we read his word. He speaks to us even when we are singing his words back to him in praise. There's a, there's a two-way dialogue. It's not the way many people believe that it is where they hear from God. You hear from God through his word, the preaching of his word. You, in a sense, hear from God tactily through the Lord's Supper, baptisms. You are getting fed by God. He is speaking to you through those means, not dreams, visions, liver shivers. He is speaking to you through his means of grace. And we speak back to him. That sounds pretty important. For your consideration, some ecclesiological questions. And if you're wondering, Frio, why do that? Why why focus on the ecclesiological question? And the answer is, I Googled it and discovered this subject. It's a ratings bonanza. It just, we got to get our views up and... We might be below tens and tens of people. So this is a subject that, ho, 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 it's very exciting in the social media world, but I don't care that it's not because the church is a big deal to Jesus and it should be a big deal to us. And it has been my experience over the last couple of decades to see the perpetual need that we all have for the local church. You've got a child who's a prodigal. You're not a member of a church. You shouldn't anticipate the pastor's going to step in and help you and even speak to that rascal. Why? You're not committed to the body. Why would the body have to do kind things for you when they need to do those things for the people who are a part of a local assembly? I have seen the importance of church membership so many times. And these days, I'm telling you, one of the things that I think we're seeing, we're watching us, we're watching one of those, I don't know if it's Netflix, whatever, I, whatever, we push a button and these documentaries come up. And this was about social media and the kids in particular and how many hours a day, about seven hours a day. Some of them are saying 18 hours a day. It's like... When do you sleep? They probably don't. They're so buzzed from the blue light. And they talked, all the kids talked about the loneliness. They don't feel like they're a part of anything. And the only way that they feel affirmed is if they get a lot of likes. And these are kids. I'm telling you, these are like 10, 12, 14-year-old little kids talking about the effects of social media. 
and how they feel not a part of anything. Hmm. So on Sunday morning, they bellyache. I don't want to go to church. Bring them. Why? Because they need it. They need fellowship. They need to be a part of something. They need to know that there is belonging in the local church. The world is needing it, I'm telling you. And a church that remembers that will do very well these days. Ecclesiastical questions. What are the ordinary means of grace? What are the ordinary means of grace? Now, you probably are thinking, well, wait a second. Acts 2.42, those are ordinary means of grace. Correct. Where we see teaching, prayer, fellowship, communion. We see those things being something that feeds us. But I would suggest to you an ordinary means of grace includes your hallway conversations, how you go about the business of speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, not football scores or politics or whatever else we're agitated about because we saw it on cable news. We feed each other that way. Question. Does it matter how the means of grace are dispensed? Now, I'm talking about the preaching. Does it matter who does the preaching? Does it matter who does the praying? Does it matter who distributes the elements? Does it matter who leads worship? Does it matter at all that we consider these things? I don't think most, most churches do. Is the Lord's Supper a means of grace? If so, does that affect how often it should be observed? That's a great question. We have a tool in communion, bread and wine, or grape juice, whatever your preference is. And it feeds people. It literally feeds people. Why would we withhold that sustenance from them once a month? Just asking. Is the Lord's Supper, if the Lord's Supper is a means of grace, should it be administered to the sick and to the shut-ins? We've talked about that before. It's an issue that should be discussed. Open or close communion. If you allow visitors to partake of communion, how long can they continue taking it without joining the church? Is there such a thing as a perpetual visitor or, as we call it these days, a regular attender? I don't think we'd kick anybody out of the church. But somebody who goes and goes and goes, who won't commit to the local church, should the table be open to them? If we believe that church membership is that important, we should at least be asking these questions. Do we care about them? Do we want them in the safety of a local church? Remember, you can be attending a church for as long as you want to, but if you start riding off the theological range, Pastor Cowboy ain't going to come and find you because you're not his to find. And that means you're in danger. We celebrated Easter on Sunday. And I suspect most churches put on their finery because we knew we were doing something important. But I would suggest to you every Sunday is that important. And we should be giving consideration to ecclesiological questions, a rating booster next on Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared 
among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable, biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I could tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all all over the world with the gospel. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. Let's visit a pre-born life center in action. Look at that baby. Abortion pill reversal actually works. That's a beating heart. Look how small it is. Tell me. That doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. $28 purchases a free ultrasound for a mommy who will choose life. It is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1054. Tensions between the East and the West had been brewing for centuries. But when negotiations between Rome and Constantinople went sour, both sides excommunicated each other, and the divide between Catholicism and Orthodoxy remains to this day. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And you thought your pastor had it easy. This is Wretched Radio, pondering some ecclesiological questions because, well, this is going to put us in Ben Shapiro League when it comes to the views. This is... This is going to put us right up there with the videos that says, Speaker demolishes student. Talking about the church. Why? I think we fail to recognize how important it is to Jesus Christ. That he cares about what you're doing in the local church. That it is his vehicle for strengthening the saints for being an intense presence of the kingdom of God on earth when we assemble, for getting equipped to bring the gospel of good news to those who are perishing. The church is a big deal. And hopefully your pastor has thought through these things. You should have thought through these things too. 
If not, this is an opportunity to do so. And as we do, you're going to realize I had no idea that my pastor had to wrangle through stuff like this because there are practical applications to all of these ecclesiological questions. For instance, can unbaptized people take communion? Hmm. You know, study the early church. All the way back to the Didache, they would say, no, you need to obey the first ordinance. Then you get the second one. You should at least ask it because this has implications. Okay, this has implications for the visitors. Let's just say, let's just say, now this is, this is what your pastor deals with, okay? It's an evangelical church. It's not Presbyterian. It's evangelical. It's Baptistic. And you believe, rightly so, in believer's baptism. And a family that identifies as being Presbyterian attends your church regularly because it's the best church around and they can't find themselves a Presbyterian church that they can affirm and feel safe under the submission of their elders. There they are. Should they take communion? You say, well, wait a second. Then we have to answer the first question. Should somebody take communion who isn't baptized? Because if your church decided you can't take communion until you get dunked, well, then we would have to say, because of our difference with our Presbyterian brothers and sisters, you haven't been dunked in believer's baptism. The table is closed too. Don't think your pastor doesn't wrangle with this. And these are the questions that a church should be perpetually exploring. This isn't kind of a one-time meeting and then we decide everything and away we go. These issues are too big, too deep, too profound. And so they need to be constantly studied by the elders to consider what it is that we are doing as a church. Are the elders required to teach? What is the regulative and normative principles of worship? God said Calvin, abominates all parts of worship that come from the mind of man and not the word of God. You got any of those elements in your church? He abominates it. Are women permitted to teach women's Bible studies? Will you permit women to pray in an officially called prayer meeting? What role do women have in the congregation? What's the difference between a theological lecture and a sermon? This is a big deal. I, I see this far too often these days. I'm so glad so many are returning to expository preaching, but they're forgetting the preaching part. They're expositing and they're dumping a lot of information on us, but where is the, um, the fire? Where's the passion, the conviction, the call to action, the call to repentance, pointing people to Jesus Christ? Your sins are forgiven if you've trusted in him. It seems we got a lot of didactic, but we don't have a lot of preaching going on these days. How important are the ecumenical creeds? Nicene, Apostles' Creed, are they important? Should we say that every Sunday? Should that be a part of our worship? Just asking. What about creeds and confessions? What about catechism? Should we be doing that formally with the kids? This is one. I have to confess to you, until my, my buddy asked this question, I hadn't pondered. What are the three offices of Jesus Christ? The tri, uh, tri um, muni, the, the three offices of Jesus, can't remember the Latin, but that's nothing new. <laughs> Puella, Puella, 
That's about it. I know, I know the Latin word for girl, and I can probably decline it, I think. Uh, I, I, um, uh, I, aram is, ah, uh, is. Homeschoolers, how'd I do? Because <laughs> they, they know it. What is the threefold? Try, I've got to get the, try, try if you can find this, Jimmy. The three offices of Jesus, type in three offices of Jesus, comma, try space M. And try Muniplex. I'm on it. I'd be grateful because for some of us, when we can't resolve these issues in our mind, it can be a little difficult to concentrate. For real, it gets worse. what What are the three offices of Jesus Christ? Prophet, priest, king. Does that have any implication as to how church is conducted? Hmm? Any, any, any thoughts that would connect our church? He's the prophet. He's the priest. He's the king. That should inform our worship in some way, shape, or form, shouldn't it? More ecclesiological questions before Jimmy finds the Latin for the three offices of Jesus. How, does, how is God present with his people in worship? What roles did the different members of the Godhead have in the weekly worship service? Is pornography grounds for biblical divorce? If so, how much? For how long? Gotta ask these questions because this is what church is about. Church discipline is a part of a church. If your church never practices church discipline, they're not a church. Simple as that. Should it be constant? No. But should it probably be more regular than it is? Yeah, I I think so. In church discipline, is there a biblical place for censure short of excommunication? If so, what is it? I think there is. Where somebody's just, you're not wanting yet, but mm, we're really concerned. So we are going to apply some issues, some things to you that make you feel the weight of your decisions. Perhaps blocking them from the table, participating them in different activities in the church. In the name of community well-being, can the civic authorities tell the church when and how they might worship? That's probably one of the bigger questions of our day, all needing to be answered by you, not just your pastor, but by you. Why? Because Jesus cares about the church. Why? Because he holds a threefold office, which in Latin is called... Oh, you want me to say that word? Yeah. Munis triplex? I had it backwards. (laughs) Munis triplex. Yep. There it is. You almost had it. The munis triplex. Is that right? Triplex? (laughs) Triplex. I think. (laughs) That's what it would be. (laughs) How was your Easter? I hope it was indeed special. But let's encourage one another to make every Sunday that big of a deal because it is. Don't know what your sermon was on Sunday. Ours was super fine because it was about a subject that I think we tend to shy away from these days in evangelical Christianity because, oh, it's been so abused. The, the preaching of power, that you've got power in your words, you've got power in your thoughts, you've got power in your hands. And therefore, we read a verse like Ephesians 1, 15 through eh, 30. 21, and we go, let's not, hold on a second, let's be a little bit careful how we talk about this power business. Well, just because bad guys use it for nefarious reasons doesn't mean we shouldn't preach about the power that is available to you in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
and it has practical application. Paul is praying in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is, here it comes, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. God has power. It's available to you. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is sitting, waiting for you. How do you tap into it? It's not by speaking it, believing it, giving money for it. Instead, it is believing it, believing it, believing it. The more you believe it, the more power you're going to have. To do what? Build a 50-story building? No. To grow in godliness, to learn how to forgive, to get over bitterness, to deal with your anger, to mortify your pornography mess. That's the power that's available to us in the resurrection. We don't have to be doing these things anymore. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. What kind of power? Mighty power. Which he worked in Christ. So here's your Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday verse. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's one. Two, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Three, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age that is to come. That's what God did on Easter Sunday. He raised the son from the dead, seated him at his right hand. All authority has been given unto Jesus Christ. He's the one who reigns. He lives. He lives. And he offers that power to you. If your life has been wobbly, tap into that power. Study Jesus, stare at him with unveiled face, and you will become far better at overcoming sin. Your relationships will be steady, and your worship of God will be sweeter. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. The leader of a house church in China says he does not fear the government and will continue to preach the gospel despite the threat of prison. And the leader of this church shares that his water and electricity has been shut off by police in an intimidation attempt and he's been detained multiple times. The communist government in China has recently also approved the banning of unlicensed online religious activity. So please make sure that you are continuing to be in prayer for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters in China and all over the world. So what's the latest with Disney? Well, I'm staying on top of it, and what I've just learned is that an insider at the company recently told the Daily Wire that the phones have been ringing non-stop at Disney headquarters with an extreme amount of negative feedback for Disney's desire and support of grooming children. Disney may be a huge corporation with billions in yearly revenue, but their stance with these issues is something the majority of Americans in every partisan group is opposed to. This may wind up ending very badly for Disney, and rightfully so. Well, listen carefully to this clip. Could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think, and that yeah. is the that is if our you, job. Yeah. Did you catch it? That's the mainstream media outright admitting what we already knew, and that's that the mainstream media is committed to controlling what people think. That is their job, after all. At least they think it is. Now, the headline from this next story describes an event from a Canadian church, but trust me, this place is not a church. But this place did decide to recently host an assisted suicide ceremony for one of its members who's making plans to 
killed themselves. It was called a crossing over ceremony, and the leadership of this, not going to call it a church, unanimously approved holding the event. This is disgusting, it's disturbing, and it exhibits zero biblical compassion. Recently, Liz Ranfeld made headlines. Ranfeld is an English professor at Anderson University in Indiana, and Ranfeld decided to create a TikTok video where she explained that anyone opposed to segregation is just a hypocrite. She said, quote, white people create their own default white spaces, but then become upset when black, indigenous, and people of color have their groups. And it seems like she has the full support of the university. Anderson University calls itself a Christian school. They've created a racial equity task force, and they say they're determined to host listening sessions this week. And these sessions, they've been separated by race. Because obviously the only way we can create true unity is by separating people. That makes a lot of sense, said no one. More Wretched Radio is on the way. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible Lamentations is a book of poems written by Jeremiah after the fall of Jerusalem. They are marked by weeping, woes, and affliction. But even in sorrow, Jeremiah praises God. He proclaims God's justice, cries out to God for mercy, and confesses his faith in God. Lamentations teaches us a godly way to express sorrow and grow in the midst of loss. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And yet another demonstration of the importance of the local church. Hey, where did everybody click, click? Where did everybody? This is Wretched Radio. The church is a subject matter of interest to Jesus. It is to us. And if we fail to elevate the importance of it, to encourage people to join it, commit to it, covenant with a local group of saints, we aren't being kind. We are not being cool. I, I'm thrilled that people show up to church who either aren't believers or aren't members. Of course, the doors are open to them, but we don't want them to just visit. We want them to join us because it is for their good and for their safety. And I hold in my never-before-nicotine-stained fingers a demonstration of that with an all-too-often cited malady that a lot of people could find more victory in if they were inside of a local church doing stuff. Not 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 just going, but there and diving in and, and getting invested in people's lives and knowing what people are up to and bringing a meal, getting served, helping out, doing some teaching. It's for our good. And this is a demonstration. See if this sounds familiar for you, because this is perhaps one of the most common emails that we receive here at Wretched Radio. Pornography is one of them. That's for sure. Can't find a good church. That's another biggie. But then there's this issue, which actually is two issues in one. See if this sounds familiar for you. I quit my drug use. This is a fellow who sent me a letter long one stating this is this is my story and now he's put his trust his faith alone in christ alone so this man has made a profession of faith i quit my drug use stopped drinking except maybe a glass of wine with dinner stopped viewing pornography and came clean to my wife about my unfaithfulness whoa that's some second corinthians 7 repentance right there 
there would be all signs of certainly there's about a million acres of fruit trees that we should be producing constantly. I'm not sure my agricultural illustration exactly worked there, but the point is there's much more, but these are fruits right here, aren't they? Stop doing drugs. Stop stop drinking to get drunk. Stop looking at pornography. Wow, that's that's pretty good. And incidentally, I have to do a shout out for this. I'm thinking about one of the people who is in our transformed season one, which is available right now at wretched.org, who was waking up in the morning, couldn't wait to get the kids off on the bus so she could light up a bong to get through the day and drinking. She finished a session with us. She went into 12 weeks of biblical counseling, hasn't had a drop, doing great. No pot smoking. There is so much power in biblical counseling. Please consider checking it out. You can visit transform.org or you can find it, of course, at wretched.org. Back to the fellow who is bearing some fruit. But here it comes. I still notice horrible sin in my life. Ah, you certainly do. But you know what is a distinctive of somebody who is saved? They notice really bad sins in their life that they maybe weren't even aware of. Because let's be honest, doing the drugs, getting drunk, watching porn, those are the big obvious ones. But there are a ton of other ones that you probably didn't think much of until you got saved and then suddenly gulp. I'm doing all these things. So he lists them. Fear of man. Cowardice. By the way, we deal with the fear of man issue in Transform. Did I mention we have a new series? 13 episodes. Perfect for your Sunday school. Your folks are dealing with this. In fact, I was reading just this morning. Well, it's here someplace. I don't know where it is. But it was, I think that they, the survey, the mental, this is a secular, that one in five people every month feel like they are struggling with a mental illness. And these days, that's mostly anxiety and depression. Incidentally, if you'd like to watch something really profound, although I have to tell you, a woman dropped the F-bomb a couple of times, It's called Medicating Normal. I thought it was made by a biblical counseling group like ACBC, except for the F-bomb part. Why? Because they were talking about how overprescribed psychotropics are, how addictive they are, and how they don't get to the problem, and how they simply mask, and how it affects you. And they follow the stories of several people, especially soldiers. Now, I don't know if this is true. I'm just telling you what I saw in this special. It's a documentary. Somebody's in, in war, they've seen something really nasty and they're hurting, so they go to the medical professionals and say, ah, I can't cope with this. Here, let me write out a prescription. Of course they do a thorough examination like, so do you feel blue or do you just feel kind of sad? You know, really scientific stuff like that. Write them a prescription, they get hooked on it, and to get off of it is a beating And it is called medicating normal because we are giving pills to people who are just dealing with stuff. Life is hard. And can there be times, this needs to be said, can there ever be times where medication is needed? Yes, but even as they said in medicating normal, it's like the the rare exception to the rule. 
way overprescribed. And biblical counseling says we need to get to the heart of the issue. And what we see with statistic after survey, after poll, after study, is that people are struggling. This letter is just one example of it. Hmm. What if they were members of a local church where there was a community of believers that were willing to be transparent and say, yeah, I got struggles too. <laughs> it's funny. We just, we just did our morning prayer meeting. We asked people, anything you need to pray about? And you would never know. Never know. You're working with people and it's like, oh, you got stuff going on in your family that's weighing heavy on your heart. Oh, Everybody has struggles. Everybody has familial issues. Everybody has health problems or knows somebody who does. And so many people are struggling with their emotions, like this fellow who's fighting sins like fear of man, cowardice, intrusive, blasphemous thoughts. There's another one for you. This is so common. I can't even believe it because I, I've seen this over and over again ever since. Did I mention we did a series called Transformed? Jimmy, have I have I mentioned transformed.org or wretched.org? Yes, just a little bit, though. Okay. Well, there, there was a fellow on there who had OCD. And I've been talking to people about it, and they're like, uh, yeah, that's uh, I, know, I, I know what he's dealing with there. Intrusive thoughts. Mining my business and in comes this filthy or blasphemous thought where did that come from and why can't i shake it out of my head it got it gets stuck in there and you want it out well there is a way to get it out it ain't easy but it's biblical and there is a way to overcome it back to our email intrusive lustful thoughts impatience not seeking the lord as i ought and a litany of others so here's what the fellow has, has just said i've seen fruit here but i'm not perfect there hmm that describes the Christian life. So here's what he said. I'm petrified that I'm not bearing enough fruit. I can assure him he's not. <laughs> and I can assure you I'm not. And I can assure you John MacArthur isn't. I can assure you none of us even come close to it. And that's the point. And that's why if you're perpetually staring at yourself to come up with a tally, you're using an abacus. Well, I've got a little fruit here. Oop, I got some sin over there. You will find adequate grounds to convict yourself of not being a saved sinner. So what do you do? You study the one who does all of these things, who never did any of the things that I do. Study him, study him, study him, and you will have increasing assurance. Martin Luther said the majority of the Christian life is lived outside of self. In that, not that we don't work on sanctification, but our justification, it resides in heaven. It's not what we do, it's what Jesus has done. Our sanctification, it is in the Holy Spirit that we have that power. And we need to be studying the one who is outside of us in the person of Jesus Christ, who, yes, I know he dwells in us. My point is we study him, not your sin so much. It doesn't mean that you don't hate him. It doesn't mean that you become licentious, that you become antinomian, that you overlook your sins. No, you still see him. You hate him. But instead of pistol whipping yourself again that you're not saved, Look at Jesus. That's what we did on Easter Sunday. Look at Jesus. He was raised from the dead on your behalf, and you can take it to the bank that you are a forgiven child of God. And maybe, just maybe, one of the reasons you, like this fellow, does not have assurance is because 
You're not a member of a local church where you can share what's on your heart with your brothers and sisters who might put their hand on your shoulder and go, bro, are you kidding me, sis? I see fruit. You are not even sort of the same person that you were when you showed up here a year ago. I can't believe the work God is doing in your life. Ah, and look at that. You will be encouraged by a brother or sister who's been observing you, perhaps offering you a perspective you can't even get of yourself to help you with your assurance. Once again, another reason why church membership is so important. This is Wretched Radio. There are many struggles experienced by our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, specifically those who run the Master's Academy International. The biggest challenge for men attending TMAI, especially in our context in Ukraine, is the opposition from people in the church who oppose sound doctrine, and therefore men really struggle to transform their ministries in accordance with the Word of God. The Master's Academy International in Ukraine fighting a battle on two fronts. (laughs) You've got Russia, of course, and you have opposition from the church in Ukraine for biblically trained pastors to preach the gospel. Would you please consider supporting the Master's Academy International? Adopt a seminary, 17 different countries. Might want to turn your attention to Ukraine. To learn more about this amazing legacy ministry, visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched Store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched Store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched Store. So take some time and peruse all we have available. Wretched.org slash store. All of the resources that you'll find are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. We can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support. So while you're visiting the Wretched store at wretched.org, would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the give link at the top of the page? There you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash store, wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. There are brothers and sisters in Ukraine who could use your help right now. Max, the Tomorrow Club's leader in Ukraine, visited us on the telephone to share the need that many believers in eastern Ukraine currently have. Our focus was children evangelism. And right now, we have to walk away from that and really serve those families who had to escape. Our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West trying to meet the needs of those families. It's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. Pretty unlikely that you can visit Ukraine to help those brothers and sisters, but there are hands and feet on the ground. The Tomorrow Club leaders helping out brothers and sisters in need in Ukraine. To learn more about how you can help and support the Tomorrow Clubs, who we hope will quickly return to children evangelism, learn more at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Revelation General Revelation is God's act of making himself known through his creation. 
A part of general revelation is the sensus divinatus, a sense of the divine. God has given every person an undeniable awareness of his existence. There are no true atheists, only rebels in denial of what every person knows to be true. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What is the most important thing about doing Christian... Timing. Mm. This is Wretched Radio. What is the most important thing about doing Christian radio? Timing. There we go. Right there. (laughs) Timing is... Got it right here. Don't forget, you're listening to the most orchestrated... Orchestrated? <laughs> organized. That was the old word that I was looking for. The most organized Christian radio program on this station at this time mentioned that what people would call mental illness is increasingly prevalent. I just found that article, which had some statistics, but it also revealed that the church, I think they they they, they need to put an oar in the water of their mental illness boat and turn that ship around. Let me see if I can unpack that nautical illustration. This article demonstrates to me how the church has been dealing with people's struggles. Now, up front, are there ever mental illness issues that should require a biblical counselor to engage a secularist regarding psychotropics or medical issues, which incidentally, if you didn't know when it comes to biblical counseling, that's typically the first question that gets asked. How much you sleeping? I see. You're not. Well, you got to work on that. Then after you've been getting eight hours a night, come back to me in two months and we'll see if you still have your problem. Have you done blood work lately? Have you had your levels checked? It could be something physiological, a vitamin deficiency, whatever it is. A biblical counselor does that, and there can be times when somebody is in such a state that a psychotropic can be helpful in getting their thoughts under control so that the Bible can be applied to their thinking. Yes, it's an exception. But we have to at least identify it. I just did. Let me show you, however, the main way that most evangelical churches are dealing with emotional issues. Here's the headline. The church should do more to address issues of mental illness. I'm not nuts about the phrase mental illness because that puts us into clinical language as opposed to biblical framing of issues, which tend to be sin, sanctification, or education. Let's get away from DSM-5. And let's hop onto the biblical train. 65% of family members who have a family member with acute mental illness wish the church would talk about it more so there was less taboo. I agree, but not in mental illness terms. We just got sin, y'all. We got sin. Yet we are totally depraved. We don't lose that theology. And here's it. See, this is a nut. I'm telling you, this is agitating to me. That bad preachers, they they grab something sweet from the Bible. They totally pervert and contort it. And then we're left going, well, we can't talk about that. I think that's true of the love of God. I think that's true of the power of God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Be careful there about the power of God. Don't become some Holy Spirit wacko. I'm not. I'm just saying Ephesians 1, 5 through 20, 15 through 21 tells us that God has power to available to us, and he proved it by raising Jesus from the dead. It's there. Bad guys abuse it, 
and then we never talk about it. And I think the same thing is true with a myriad of issues that we should be talking about the love of God and that we should be talking about the power of God. And we shouldn't let them impose their thinking on us to control what it is that we talk about. And the DSM-5 has done just that. We need to remove things from clinical language, make it biblical language so that people can be helped. And one of the phrases that I think that has been kidnapped that suddenly makes it kind of taboo and we don't want to use any language like this, you hear this all the time. Hey, we just leave. We lead messy lives, don't we? We're just, we're just a bunch of broken people, aren't we? They maybe don't use that language. That's that's too Toy Story tough. But we we are we 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 are living on the island of misfit toys. Well, we, I got springs coming out of my head. I got my arm is attached to my thigh where it shouldn't be. It's like we're just we're the island of misfit toys. And just because too many sappy preachers use lingo that isn't quite biblical in context, we got to remember, people, we're just dealing with sin. We are all just dealing with sin. And we need to talk about it more, not in clinical terms, not mental illness terms. We're broken And God is progressively putting us back together again. And we need one another to succeed in what God is doing by assembling a puzzle that is just scattered all over the place. You know, Jimmy, I think that sermon illustration could preach. I think it could. Probably not well, but it could (laughs) preach. Some churches. Back to the article. The National Alliance on Mental Illness has done research demonstrating the prevalence of it in the United States. One in five adults in the U.S. experiences mental illness in a given year. Hey, people are hurting. People are broken. And the church can move them to wholeness. Hey, did I mention that is actually the slogan of our new show called Transformed, which is about biblical counseling to help people with emotional issues biblically from brokenness to wholeness. But this is the way the church has been dealing with it. So this individual, you might know who it is. What can we do about mental illness? Well, we can start by calling it what it is. Either emotional damage, sin, lack of education, need of sanctification. But they list six things that you can do. So here's number three. The the first one is remove the taboo label. Number two, understand the warning signs. Three, maintain a trusted network of professionals. There it is, baby. The pastor, the body, we're not professionals. So we got to send them out of the church building to go down the street to who knows what is going on in that office. There, this is, this is classic. No pastor can do it all. Well, I agree with that. That's why the church needs to be doing the work of the church. The pastor isn't supposed to be doing, the pastor's job is to equip us to do it. That's his, that's his assignment not dealing with the plumber, not dealing with parking lot issues, and not doing every single counseling case that is needed. We're, we should be doing that. By the way, you can do that at either ACBC, the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, biblicalcounseling.com, or you can even get a degree, undergrad, master's, or doctorate 
the field is that robust in biblical counseling at masters.edu. No pastor can do it all. No church leader is trained for every potential illness. Well, hold on a second. Is the Bible sufficient or isn't it? Now, there can be people, as mentioned before, that might need medication to help them stabilize to work through things. But medication of the brain does not fix the problem. It still needs to be addressed. The church staff should not attempt to handle every case. Some mental illnesses require help from people with proper training. Uh, I don't know what it feels like to have a kidney stone, but that's coming really close, if you don't mind me saying so. Oh, that hurts. Then we finally get the number four is create a clear system of reporting procedures. Okay. Five recognize the spiritual struggle of mental illness. Well, there we go. Now we're getting warmer, aren't we? Most, most, most issues. No, if somebody is presenting with an emotional illness, the church should always be involved, always, some way, shape, or form. Now, you might be thinking of some of the more extreme manifestations of an emotional issue or a mental issue. Church is still involved. Does that mean we never avail ourselves of the help that can come from professionals when it comes to medication and biology, physiology, and even on occasion using psychotropics. No, we can do that, but it doesn't mean we say, bye-bye, you're just too complicated a case for us, because that indicates that we don't believe in the sufficiency of the Bible. So that gives us power for all of life and godliness. That is why biblical counseling should be done in the context of the local church. Now, to demonstrate again how much people are hurting, there's a really popular website. A number of people have sent this to idea at wretched.org. It's called He Gets Us. I don't know if it's .com.org, but they, they're on to something. We want everyone to understand and relate to the authentic Jesus as depicted in the Bible, sharing his radical love and acceptance of everyone because everybody's hurting he gets us. He was drawn to the fringes because he was an immigrant, homeless, arrested, bullied. Jesus suffered anxiety. Jesus was betrayed. He had broken relationships. He knew loneliness. All of those things are true. And this website has glommed onto the needs that people have because they identify them. Unfortunately, they're not given the whole picture. They're kind of Based on what I saw on the website, it's a pretty sentimental, not very divine forgiveness of sins offering Jesus Christ, who commands all people everywhere to repent and put their trust in him. They're biffing it. The church shouldn't. We should recognize what they've seen and start bringing the Bible, not professionals, back into the counseling rooms in the context of the local church. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.